You know, as we as we look forward to a new year, maybe for some of us, we're like, hey, thank God. I'm so glad to see that 2023 go and I'm looking forward to new things in 2024. Or maybe for you, it's been a great year and and it's a little tougher to see it end uh, wherever you're at with that. I believe that there's so much power in giving ourselves to the Lord anytime, um, but especially uh, right now. I'm going to ask you just a couple questions as we begin just to reflect on. First of all, who do you want to be in 2024? Who do you want to be? And I didn't, notice I don't say what do you want to do, because what you do matters, but what we do really comes out of who we are at our core, our integrity, our character, our central priorities. Who do you want to be? in 2024. If there was no limitations, if you just could, you know, by God's help, this could happen. And second, since you did so well with that question, because uh, I'm not asking for response, so you're doing outstanding here. Um, second, it's a little different, but who is God calling you to be in 2024? Now, maybe for you, those two things really seem to align, or maybe you say, I don't know the answer to that second one, or maybe the first one, I'm not sure. I would encourage you maybe to take some time this week. We've got, what, a holiday coming up tomorrow. Take some time, uh, journal, pray, maybe go for a walk, however it is you like to spend time with the Lord, and just saying, God, who are you calling me to be in 2024? I want, I want to live for you. I want to do that. Because, you know, a new year marks a, a new beginning. It, it, it does. It's an exciting thing. And, and maybe for some of us, we get to this time of year and we get a little cynical because we're like, yeah, I've heard all that before, but it never works out that way. The calendar changes and I do all the same things. I said I was going to lose some weight or I said I was going to gain some weight or I said I was going to make some new friends or I said I was going to get a better job or I said I was going to save more or retire or whatever the thing is and I didn't do it. Well, you know, friends, oftentimes we don't take new steps because uh, we don't change because we might take a couple steps in the right direction, but then we just kind of get pulled back by gravity back to the way we usually do. But I believe that by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can change, that we can be different, that with God's help all things are possible, and I believe that there is hope for us, um, not just today, but tomorrow as well. A new year is a bit of a, a reset, if you will. Uh, we all need resets from time to time. Uh, this past week, Jennifer and I went back to uh, Peoria, Illinois for a couple days. That's where we grew up. It's not really our home. I haven't lived there since I was 18 years old. Um, but our relatives are there. We always have a good time. Um, and when we go, I am never bored, not for one minute. And no, it's not because central Illinois is that exciting, because it's really not, I promise. But I'm never bored when I go there because I am the designated IT guy for our family. Anybody in here designated IT persons? Yeah, a few of you are. Yep, that's right. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm a good IT guy. It just means I'm the best one they have, which is not saying much, okay? That's not really my family's area of strength. And so, um, for if you're one of these IT people, or maybe if you have one of them in your family, you hear this question over and over again. It's a common IT question. It goes something like this. Have you tried turning it off and on again? And you're like, why would that fix it? And they're like, just do it, okay? Like, if my parents had learned this phrase years ago, they could have written me out of the will. They would not need me in their life at all. 
they'd be just fine, right? Because this phrase solves an awful lot, not all, but an awful lot of the problems. Why? Because we all just need a reset sometimes. We need to take a step backwards, get a new perspective, uh, prayerfully say, God, who are you calling me to be? Like, for example, I've had many times where I'm working on some problem at night, uh, and I'm struggling with it, and I'm tired, and I'm frustrated, and I'm trying to stick it out and get it done, and finally I get frustrated, and I go to bed, right? Then in the morning, I wake up, and that thing that I spent 45 minutes on, I get done in like 10 minutes the next day, right? Because I just needed a little reset there to get myself on the right track. The new year is an opportunity to do that. I want to tell you, um, share with you from the book of Jeremiah today. Um, it's a time in Israel's history where Jeremiah is a prophet, and he shared God's word with the people in um, really a tough time in their history. I'll explain more about that in just a minute. But I want to start off with a very famous verse. You may know it by heart, in fact, or at least have heard of it. Jeremiah 29, 11, which says this. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. That's a good word, isn't it? We hear that and we like it, right? Nobody hears that. It's like, oh, that's challenging. We're like, no, that's awesome, right? It's that, you know, to say that, uh, God, thank you that you have plans for me, that they are good plans, that there's, there's a hope, there's a future, it's not disaster, right? I, I'm so glad and thankful and this is one of the most popular verses in the Bible, but often one of the most understood. Because if you want, or sorry, one of the most misunderstood. Because if you want to understand a verse, you've got to understand it in its context. What is it saying in its original? What was the author originally saying? Well, Jeremiah was a prophet at a really challenging time in Israel's history. See, long before him, Israel had divided into two nations. You had the ten tribes of Israel, and then you had Judah, which was Judah and Benjamin. Uh, and the ten tribes, the northern tribes, well, both sides really, I should say, had been disobedient. That they would commonly, they would obey for God for a while, but then they would disobey, kind of go their own way. Then some bad things would happen. They'd come back to the Lord, but then they'd kind of do somewhat like this. But it kept getting slowly worse and worse. They kept finding themselves farther and farther away from God. Ultimately, God allowed their enemies to come and conquer them. For the northern tribes, that was the Assyrians. They came in well over 100 years before Jeremiah's time. Um, they conquered them. And, and these tribes were really dispersed uh, into the world, and they, they were never reassembled, okay? Um, and that's what had happened to them. Now, you'd think that for Judah, that this would motivate them. This would inspire them to do the right thing, but it really didn't. They didn't really change much. In fact, they followed in the similar path of disobedience uh, that the northern tribes have followed in, and Jeremiah saw this, and he, and he prophesied to them, and he said, you've got to change, or the same thing's going to happen to us. The, our enemies, now the Babylonians, they're going to come, and they're going to overtake us. Well, the people didn't like this message. So, you know, Jeremiah, why are you such a downer, right? And eventually, they arrested him, had him put in prison, so they didn't have to listen to him anymore. Well, while he was in prison, the Babylonians came, and they overtook Jerusalem there. Many of the Jewish people were hauled off into exile. Some of them, including Jeremiah, were stayed for a bit and then were, all, were ultimately taken away to Egypt. So it was a horrible, tragic time. 
Because here, long ago, God had promised this land to their ancestors. He had made covenant with them. They had broken the covenant over and over, but yet they had been able to stay in the land. And now, finally, they're out. And the people, they begin to turn to God, and they cry out to God for help. And they had a number of prophets there with them in Babylon uh, who were false prophets. And they were telling the people what they wanted to hear. And they said, hey, don't worry, it's going to be fine. God's not, he's not forsaken us. In fact, we're just going to be here for a little bit. Keep your bags packed. It's all good. We're going back to Israel. Well, Jeremiah did not see it that way. He had heard from the Lord and he had heard that that was not the future for the, for the people there, that, in, that they would ultimately go back, but that their, their return was going to be very delayed. And so Jeremiah writes to them, and that's the words that we're reading in this chapter 29. In fact, let's uh, jump back uh, to about verse 4 here earlier in the chapter. It says this, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to all the captives he has exiled from Babylon to Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the, fruit that they, the food that they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that, they may have many grand, so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Oof. This was not good news. Like, we want to go home, okay? We, want, we don't want to stay in Babylon. We, we want to go back to Israel, the people say. And God says, well, here's your plan. Get comfortable. In fact, if you're not married, you should get married. You should have babies. And once your babies grow up, in Babylon, by the way, they need to get married too, so that you don't dwindle away. You need to keep having kids. You need to build your families. You need to um, seek, you know, even pray for the prosperity of Babylon. That's not what we wanted. Babylon is the enemy, right? Like, how can we pray for the prosperity of Babylon when we were defeated by Babylon. We want Babylon to be defeated so we can go home. That's not how it's going to be. You're going to pray for their prosperity because this is your new home. And this is where you and your family are going to do life for a while. And I know that's not what you want, but that is where you are at. This was a difficult word for the people to hear. A really difficult word. And you know, the decision to follow the Lord is sometimes a hard one. Because when we say yes to God, we're saying yes to Jesus as our Savior, the one who forgives our sins, the one who heals us, the one who pays the price for our sins. And that is great news. That's life-changing. It's awesome. Like, I, God, he sent his son to come down to earth so I could be forgiven, so I could go to heaven. That's great but we're asking Jesus to be our Savior and our Lord. You see, he's not, he, he's not just like an advisor. He's the Lord. He's the leader. He's the one in charge of everything. And he calls us to give our lives to him. Now, this is challenging for us because we want to run our lives by our own standards, kind of do things our own way. And sometimes our ways aren't necessarily bad, but they may not be the best. 
Like, for example, sometimes we can, get, we can get so caught up doing so many just good, normal things, like our job and time with our family and our hobbies and, and making money and all these kinds of things and spending time with friends. and They're not bad things, but we may forget to ask the Lord and say, God, what do you want from me? Who are you calling me to be? I want to follow you. When I was in college, I had kind of, early on in college, I had my first kind of like young adult crisis where I, it, it, I had taken on so many things. I was struggling to do them all well um, because I, was, I had moved away, new friends, new all this stuff, and all these new opportunities came about. Uh, I got to volunteer with Youth for Christ. I, I, I played soccer there. I was, the, I was the captain of the team, which don't be impressed. It was the worst college soccer team, I think, in the history of college soccer teams. I'm not kidding. My high school team would have easily beat our college team, right? So that's how bad we were. But I that. that. Um, I managed the computer lab. Um, I was um, long, in a long-distance relationship with this beautiful girl named Jennifer, who is now my wife. Uh, and I also, I, what else did I do? Oh, I went to class, too. There was that as well, right? And so all these things, and I was struggling to keep up with all of it because I had just kind of indiscriminately said yes to so much. I don't know that I had really been prayerful enough or discerning enough about what I needed to do and not do. I was just saying yes to all. And so I found uh, when I kind of uh, hit a difficult time was when I made a financial investment that would literally, it would change my life because it would change the way that I looked at these the various things. Uh, I had a friend in the dorm. His name was Nick. And Nick was the resident uh, stock advisor for the dorm, okay? He was uh, uh, in, ad, an, uh, an expert of sorts, if you will, at buying tech stocks. And it was about January of 2000, and Nick was making money hand over fist. And he was telling all of us how we should be doing the same thing. Well, in my bank account, I had about $2,000 that I had saved up from my summer construction job. And I thought, you know what, I, I don't really need this. Like, like I'm, I want to make some money here. I'm going to invest here. And so I, I bought, uh, and I, I'd heard of diversification, right? So I bought four different tech stocks, mind you, <laughs> which is not true diversification. And so then, uh, this is January of 2020, and some of you might remember that um, in March of 2020, the tech bubble burst. And I didn't know what a bubble was, because I hadn't bothered to research any of this. I just, like everything, just kind of said yes and jumped right in. So very quickly, I turned $2,000 into $486. <laughs> And I was devastated. I just lost most of my net worth at the time. I mean, I still have my shoes, but that was probably the most valuable thing I still had left, right? And, and it was like, oh my goodness, I am, I'm living so foolishly. Because it, it was like a microcosm for the way I was doing life. I was just saying yes to everything. I was not really being discerning. I was not really praying about things. I was not really uh, seeking God's will as I should have. And maybe you look at your life and maybe there's some of that stuff. And you say, you know, the, the reason why I'm struggling to follow God's will is because I, I don't really talk to God. I don't really seek him. I don't really read the Bible. I just, I kind of do this one hour a week thing. I hope that's good enough and whatever. Well, this is just a start. 
like you don't just eat once a week, right? You want to eat throughout the week. We need spiritual nourishment throughout the week. Maybe for some of us, God's basic call is that we just simply need more time with him. We need more time in prayer and time in his word. That would be a great thing to do. That could be a life-changing investment. You know, you could, your life could literally change by spending, what if you started off with five, ten minutes a morning with God and just let it grow from there? Or what if you set aside some time in the evening, whatever it may be? What if you were willing to, to listen to the Lord and to do that? Because, see, the Lord does have great plans for us. He cares about us. Our lives matter to him. But we've got to be seeking him. And sometimes, like we see in the book of Jeremiah, sometimes the words are great and sometimes the words are difficult. C.S. Lewis said it this way. He said, all genuine religious conversions are blessed defeats. Think about that. All genuine religious conversions are blessed defeats. We say, well, time out. I don't like that idea at all. I thought I liked C.S. Lewis, but not until he said that, right? Like, what's the deal? Blessed defeats. What about victory in Jesus? I like that a lot better than this blessed defeats stuff. Well, the fact is, friends, we do have victory in Jesus. We have victory over sin and death. That's 100% true. But how does that victory come? It comes by making Jesus our Savior and our Lord. And when we make him our Lord, that means a defeating of sorts, that I'm defeating my own will. Like, instead of saying, I'm just going to do things John's way, like, I'm going to just do what I want to do, and I'm going to tell God all my plans, and I'm going to expect that he's going to bless it, right? Because, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So God, here's the deal. Here's where I want to go to college. Here's who I want to marry. Here's what kind of house I want to live in. Here's what kind of job I want to have. Here's what kind of money I want to make. Here's what my kids will be like. Here's when I'll retire. And then here's what I'll do. Great. Got it. Thanks. Amen. Problem with that is, then I'm really God, and God is like my divine assistant of sorts, right? You should get on this, God. But that's not how it works, friends. That's not how it works. Saying Jesus is Lord means submitting myself to him because, get this, I actually believe that Jesus' ways are better than mine. I actually believe that God is the creator of all things and that perhaps the creator might know more than the creation would know about how he should live his life. And in times in my life where I've messed things up the most, it's when I've gotten that upside down. And when, when I've really tried to do it my own way and hoped that God would kind of come along with me instead of saying, Lord, you lead. I follow. Because the reason Lewis calls it a blessed defeat is because it's not a bad thing. It's actually the best thing for us. This, by defeating myself, by defeating my sinful nature, by saying no to those things that would harm me, and saying yes to Jesus, I'm saying yes to God's blessing. I'm saying yes to these plans to prosper and not to harm me, to give me hope and a future. Pastor Jonathan told a story of a woman, I, I don't know her name, I'll call her Amber. Amber's from Columbus, and Amber had made some tough choices in life, some bad choices in life. Ultimately, Amber um, began stealing to make ends meet. She got caught, was convicted, went to prison. Amber served some time there, 
And you know, sometimes in prison, folks get really bitter and angry, but not Amber. She decided to seek the Lord, to turn her life over to Jesus. And when Amber got out of prison, she made a decision that was really radical. She still had some stuff, and her stuff, while it wasn't a lot, her stuff had come predominantly from stealing from others. So she took everything she had, minus the bare essentials, and sold it all. And she gave the money to the poor. She's like a modern-day Zacchaeus, right? And so then she started off, reset her life, if you will. She started in a small apartment with her simple job. And she worked really hard at that job, and she kept a very simple and disciplined life. When she saved up enough money, she took art lessons, began to practice, and became an excellent painter. God just blessed her in that way. And, and her life slowly but surely just turned around. Her pastor asked her a question about transformation, and she said this, When you've been caught, you have nothing to hide. And when you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. And when you have nothing to fear, oh my, what you can become. I like that. When we don't live in fear, because God doesn't want us living stuck in fear, but when we live in faith of what God could do, and when God challenges us to do hard things, we say, yes, here I am, Lord. Use me. Send me. Take me. Whatever you need from me, God, I want to be like that soft clay in your hands. I want to be used for you and by you. Imagine what you could become with a surrendered spirit to the Lord. Imagine what our church could be, have all of us living in surrender to the Lord and his call, his guidance. You know, back to the Israelites, God had allowed them to be conquered by man so that they would willingly submit themselves to him. Because sometimes we kind of need to be knocked on our rear end if we're going to really understand that, that we're heading the wrong direction. I wish it didn't take that, but for many of us it does. For many of us, it does. So God allowed this to happen, but he allowed it for a purpose. Because as the verse promises, God had good plans for them. Hear the context of that verse. It's the, right after where we read earlier. This is what the Lord says, Jeremiah 29, verse 10. You'll be in Babylon for 70 years. That was tough, 70 years. Many of them would not outlive their time in Babylon. But then... I will come and will do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. And here's verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God has these plans. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and will bring you home again to your own land. There's so much hope in the Lord here. He brings them back. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it speaks this truth that God has gone out in front of his people. God hasn't left them. He hasn't abandoned them. He loves them. He cares for them. He's got them. There's hope because God has not forgotten his people and he never will. It may feel like God has. They are far away in a foreign land. Many of them, most of them would be buried there. It would be their children and their grandchildren who would come back home. 
But God had not forgotten Israel. In fact, it would be that remnant who would come back home through which God would send his son Jesus. And he would save his people from their sins. He would open up the doors for all of us to be followers of him. Whose many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even those who believe on his name. It's true for you and for me. God has a purpose for you that is bigger than just your own desires or your own wants. Not to say they're all evil. They're not. But God wants to work in you and through you. He wants to be the leader, the Lord of your life. A couple decades ago, Rick Warren wrote a book. Uh, You probably have read it. It's called The Purpose Driven Life. And it starts off with these powerful words. Rick says, It's not about you. It's not about you. The purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you want to know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by His purpose and for his purpose. So true. Genesis 1, in the beginning, God, God created. That we were created for him, for his purpose. And Jesus, he comes down to this earth, he gives his life for us, he rises from the dead, ascends into heaven, and he leaves us in charge. Can you believe it? He entrusts us with this good news. He calls us to be spreading the good news. So we pray that your kingdom come, God, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. It's not just about what the world would define as success. What does God define as success? What if you and I lived for those things in 2024? What if that was our central focus, that we wanted as much as we want our next breath, that we wanted to know God, we want to know his purpose, we want to know his way. We say, God, here I am. Use me, take me, change me. Because here's the bottom line. Tonight we're going to, we're going to bid uh, 2023 adieu, and we're going to welcome in 2024. And I believe, I strongly believe that 2024 will bring many incredible things in our lives personally, in our families, in our church. I am so excited about 2024 at Anderson Hills. It's going to be an amazing year. I really believe that. We're going to be, gosh, February here, we're going to be rolling out some new branding. We thought that might be a little earlier, but we're going to delay it a little bit. That's all right. We're going to be uh, doing some many exciting things this year, and it's going to be great. And God wants to work in and through every single one of us. He does, but he calls us to follow him. I also believe 2024 will be a challenging year because we still sin, And we still live in a world where other people sin. It's still a fallen world. So we are, when we become a Christian, we enter into this kingdom of God, but not in its fullness. That comes in the future someday. So this year there will still be challenges. There will be problems. There will be really tough days. We're going to need to seek the Lord. We're going to need to lean into him. 
there will be new opportunities and new challenges. And one of the things that humbles me as a pastor more than just about anything else is that every year in our churches, we lay to rest people we never thought we would in that year. For some of us, 2024 will be our last year here on this earth and we'll enter life eternal. I don't want that for anybody, but I have hope in the Lord. And I know that we all, it's appointed to us once to die and then to stand before the Lord. And I want every one of us to be ready for that, even though I pray it's none of our time. I want us to live like we're ready because there's no better way to live your life there's no better way to live your life than the way that the, the Lord calls us to live. So as we enter this new year, we can play the same old failing game of trying to control everything for our own purposes, or we can choose to live for the Lord. I want to live for Him. I want to live for Him. I want to focus on the things that I can control. I want to choose to love God and others. I want to choose to be happy. I want to choose to forgive. I want to choose faith over fear. I want to choose life in Jesus' name, because that's why he's put us here. You know, Jesus himself said it best in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So I'm going to pray here, and I'm going to invite you to pray right along with me. I want to spend a little bit of extra time in prayer. In fact, if, if, if you're here with somebody, maybe your spouse or a family member or somebody, and you would, I invite you even to take their hand and to pray together with them. If you're here by yourself, that's great too. And at home, if you're, if you're watching this with somebody uh, who you love, would you take their hand right now and pray with them? Maybe pray for each other. And if you're watching by yourself, we're all praying with you and for you. And we're praying, what we're doing here is giving ourselves to the Lord and giving this new year to the Lord. So come, Holy Spirit. Wherever we're at right now, we pause to say that we are here for you, God. Not for ourselves, not for our own selfish ways, but we are here for you. Jesus, we want to give ourselves to you. We want to be yours completely. Forgive us, God, for the times that we hold back the times we try to do it our own way, the times we seek our will and our plans and not your own. Forgive me, Lord, for the times where I fill my life with so many things that it's hard to hear your voice. Forgive us, Lord, for the times where we choose sin instead of you. God, we thank you that in the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. We are forgiven. There is hope. There is new life. And God, I just pray for every person here in this room and watching online. God, I just pray that by your power, God, that you would move in our lives, move in our families, move in our marriages, 
move in our children, move in our grandchildren, move in our jobs, move in our retirement, move in our free time, move in our busy times, move, move in our times where we're together in worship. Lord, I pray that you would draw us closer to you. I pray that you would unite us as families, that nothing would come in between us, God. I pray for those families that are broken and need healing. God, would you move in mighty ways? I pray for the marriages who don't know if they're going to make it another year. God, would you strengthen them? Would you give them strength for this journey? And would you bring wholeness and closeness and intimacy like we've never had before? God, I pray for the relationships with children that are broken, with those who are far off. Lord, bring them back. Bring them back by your power and by your strength, God. I pray that you would bring them back, God, to follow you once again. Lord, I pray, I pray for those who feel distance between, between ourselves and you, God. Lord, I pray that we would not be overwhelmed with guilt and shame, but that we would be overcome with a sense of your love. That we would feel your arms around us right now that we would feel the warmth of you so close, God. Would you just show us in real and tangible ways, God, that you are alive and powerful and moving in our hearts. For God, we want to live for you. We want our lives to be acts of worship to you, God. So we lay them down before you today. God, we give ourselves to you, Lord. We pray that you would take us, that you would use us, that you would be honored that you would be honored with this sacrifice of our lives. God, we thank you. We thank you for the breath that you've given us. We thank you for the time that you've given us. We thank you for, for more time here on this earth to serve you. God, would we do so faithfully? We just want to live for you, Jesus. Thank you that you came, that you, that you are truly God with us that you are our Savior, that you are our Lord. Lord, we give ourselves to you, and we pray this all in Jesus' holy name. Amen.